Hey guys, I want to uh, take a break from our walk through John for just a little bit uh, to look at a new study. I'm calling it a walk with the master. and Really, we're going to focus on the teachings of Jesus to his disciples and really kind of probe what it means to be a disciple. And I want to introduce this with a passage that comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And we read in verse 25, Now great crowds accompanied him, that's Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down to count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate, whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? And if not, while the other is still yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Now Jesus is talking a little bit about what it means to be a disciple. And, and that is really what it means to be his follower. So see, we see in this passage in verse 25 that a lot of people are following Jesus. And this is something I think that as Christians is important that we have an understanding. Is that Jesus is a popular figure okay we a lot of times talk about the persecution of christianity and how jesus is rejected and and in a sense that's true but we have to say that jesus is embraced as a as a pop culture icon so to speak you know you look at facebook for example and there's a daily jesus there and and it's got 10 million likes now that's one in about every 30 uh, Facebook users, there's 300 million Facebook users, 10 million of them have said they like Jesus daily. And so Jesus is popular. There are a lot of people that ascribe to Jesus and say, oh yeah, I'm cool. There's the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts and the got Jesus bumper stickers and all those sorts of things. But there's a difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. There's just between liking Jesus and letting Jesus lead you. You know, Jesus talks about a day that he will separate the sheep from the goats. And you say, well, what is the difference? I kind of looked into this. What's the difference between a sheep and a goat? And one major difference between a sheep and a goat is that sheep tend to stay together. And they're much easier to lead in a group where goats tend to want to go off and, and wander off in their own way. In fact, if you try to pin sheep, they tend to stay in the pen. But if you try to pin a goat, they tend to try to find a way out. And I think Jesus is marking the distinction between those people that are just interested in what he can give them and the people that are truly committed to following and obeying him. I've been criticized in the past because people have come away with some of my messages and they've said, well, you know, Michael tends to portray it like as if you just go to church and, and you just attend and you just 
try to do good things, that somehow that's not good enough. And so I want to be very clear on my stance on that in saying this, it's not good enough. Jesus is not looking for someone that's just going to be kind of a happy-go-lucky Christian. He is looking for people to be committed followers of him. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus sums up being his disciple with three things. He says, if any man wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Luke expands on this a little bit in, in what he means by that. And we see this in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And Jesus expanding on this principle about what it means to deny myself. Now, when we say hate in this passage, you say, well, how does that fit with Jesus telling us that we should love our neighbor as ourself and love our enemies too? Aren't we supposed to love these people? And, and I don't think Jesus is denying that we're supposed to love our family and be obedient to our parents and love our wives. Uh, in fact, Paul tells us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I think what he's saying, though, is this, that I must value Jesus Christ above every other relationship I have. And that is, if I am faced with the decision of abandoning Christ or abandoning my family, then I must abandon my family for the sake of keeping Christ. Now, I don't know that any of us will ever be put in that predicament, but sometimes, for example, we have to make a decision. Do I do what's pleasing to God or do I do what benefits my family. An example of this might be in tithing. You know, it would be much easier. I could provide more things for my family if I didn't tithe, but am I obedient to God or am I am I going to get my kids that Christmas gift they deserve? Or even am I going to put food on the table this week? You know, am I willing to trust God with this situation? Am I willing to love Jesus Christ more than I love anyone and everyone else? And if you were to ask me, Michael, does that mean that you would forsake your wife and forsake your children for the sake of Jesus Christ? I would have to say, yes, I would. I don't believe that Jesus Christ would ever ask me to forsake, but absolutely I would say that he is my first love, even among any of, any of them. I can't value that relationship above my relationship with Jesus Christ, but I can't even value my own life above my relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I have to hate my own life. Otherwise, I cannot be his disciple. And so, I would say most of you listening have some sort of a dream or desire or plan for your life. Let me go ahead and give you a piece of advice. Go ahead and abandon that now. If God calls you to do whatever it is that you want to do with your life, well, that's fantastic. But... What he's called you to is a life of obedience and service to him. And, and that's connecting to that second part that Jesus is talking about. Uh, and that is carrying my cross. And this is what he says in verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is saying this even prior to being arrested and crucified 
And so he knows where he's going. He's told his disciples that this is going to happen. And he says, if you're serious about being my disciple, then you must follow me even to the cross. You must give up anything, even your own life, if you wish to follow me. And the walk of the cross is a difficult one to take because a person carrying their cross was dragged through town naked. They had to carry this cross. They were spit on. Things were thrown at them. And ultimately, they're going to take the cross to a certain location and then nails are going to be driven through them and they're going to be hung on the cross until they die. And Jesus is painting this as a picture of what a Christian life looks like. Now, in Christianity, early Christianity, there were many symbols that people had to identify themselves as Christians. Uh, there was, for example, the Cairo, the X, and it looks like that letter P in the middle of it. And those are the first two letters of Christ. There, of course, is the ichthus, that, the fish symbol that you see sometimes people will put on the back of their cars or on guitar cases or things of that nature. But ultimately, the symbol that identified Christianity, and the Christians sort of said, this is our symbol, was the cross. And, and it still is. And Christianity has always been defined by this life of suffering and sacrifice. And that's what Jesus is saying, that I'm calling you to a life of absolute surrender, a life where that is going to be painful and difficult, and many times you're going to feel alone. He, he tells the disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take comfort, I have overcome the world. I, I leave with you my peace. If the world hated me, they will also hate you because you are my disciples. And so we understand that when we receive Christ, when I am taking Christ as my Savior and taking Christ as my Lord, I'm also taking on a life of difficulty and suffering and pain for His sake and a costly life. And He says, so I must deny myself and take up a cross and follow Him. He says, whoever does not take up his own cross and come after me. And what that means is, is that Jesus Christ now is going to be the one that is determining the purpose and direction of my life. That means I have to be obedient to him and everything. In John 15, he, he talks about abiding in him and producing fruit and being his disciple. Now, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to let Jesus direct my life, then that means first I have to communicate with Jesus and find out what it is that he wants me to do. I have to say, Jesus, what is your purpose and your plan for me? Show me where you want me to go. And so communication with Jesus Christ involves two things. First, it involves me talking to him. And, of course, I do that. I talk to God through prayer. I, I get on my face before him and I say, Lord, here's what I need from you. You show me what you need from me. Here's, here's what I, Lord, Here's the deepest need of my heart. Father, lead me, guide me, direct me. And I speak those things to God. But God communicates to me through his word. I often ask people, how do we talk to God? And how does God talk to us? And people always say God talks to us through prayer. But ultimately, that's not the, the channel through which God has desired to speak to us. He's desired to speak to us through his word. He has called us to speak to him through prayer. But he speaks to us through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit's conviction in our life. But also, we see the purpose of my life in John 15 is that I will produce fruit and thus prove to be his disciple. And you say, well, what kind of fruit does a disciple produce? Well, I'll give you a hint. Apples produce more apples, right? Pears produce more pears. Lemons produce more lemons. 
And so a disciple then must produce more disciples. The fruit of a disciple is more disciples, more people that want to love and serve and obey Jesus Christ. And so he challenges the people listening to consider the cost of being a disciple. Are you willing to give what it takes? He says in verse 28, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, this is an unfortunate tragedy that happens a lot of times in life, is that people say, Well, you know what? I want to live for Jesus But ultimately, when push comes to shove, they say, you know what, I'm not really sure I really want to do that. I'm not really sure I'm willing to be obedient in all these situations. There's a certain part of my life I don't want to give to Jesus Christ, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a decision, whether it's going and reaching the world for his kingdom. They say, you know, I'm not really sure. And Jesus says, what a tragedy, because at least this person could have lived their own life the way they wanted to live it for a while. But now they've completely wasted their time. They, they haven't lived for me and they haven't even lived for themselves. They've just kind of been walking the fence in the middle. And he says, so consider right now whether or not you're really willing to surrender everything to me. And if you're not, then don't. But don't come trying to follow after me and at the same time not really be willing to follow me anyway. Only, only commit to Christianity, he'll say, if you're really willing to surrender your whole life. On the other hand, he says that there is still a cost to not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. He'll say in verse 31, Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, He sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, at the same time that there's a cost of being a disciple, there's also going to be a cost of not being my disciple. And that you are fighting a losing battle and running out of time. That one day, you will come before God in judgment and give an account of your life. And... Before that happens, you need to make a deal. Now, in the scenario he paints, a king would have said, Listen, I know you're coming against me in battle. Let me go ahead and just offer my services to you. Let me go ahead and just offer you basically our servitude. And you don't have to come in and kill us. We'll go ahead and just say that you win. And we won't have to fight a bloody battle and lose all these innocent lives. And now, you are not a king, probably, listening you probably don't have 10,000 troops. You are just a person all by yourself. But you are up against a mighty king. You are up against the God of the universe who is coming to call you into judgment one day. And so Jesus says, while you still have time, you need to go ahead and make peace with God. And you need to go ahead and just offer yourself as servitude because you do not want to face him on the day of his judgment. Rather, you need to count the cost of what it will mean if you are not my disciple. Because if you are not my disciple, then you will have to deal with God on the day of judgment. Make peace now and just offer everything to him that you have. 
Now, I've heard people say, well, you know what? I believe on that day that I will just make a deal with God. Let me tell you, you don't have anything to bargain with. You don't have anything to offer him. On the day that he comes, he will separate us one from another. Those who have followed him and have been faithful to him and those who have not. And those who have not do not have any bargaining chips to make a deal with God. So Jesus says, you don't know when he's going to come. Make peace now. Surrender now and get right now because his judgment is coming. But also he says another thing. There's another reason, another cost to not being his disciple. We see that in verse 34. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He's saying you were created for a purpose. God designed you for a reason, and that reason was to bring glory to him and to live your life for him. And he says, and if you don't do that, if your life is not about bringing him pleasure and joy and glory, then it's a wasted life. It's like salt that has no flavor. It's not good for anything. And you can live your life pursuing whatever dream or passion you have in your heart. But the fact of the matter is, the only person that that is ever going to benefit is you. You might say, well, what if I'm a doctor and I save lots of lives? You can't save souls. You can't make an eternal difference. The only way you're going to make an eternal difference is by pursuing the purpose that Jesus Christ has given you. Now, you can do that in the medical field. You can do that as a construction worker. You can do that as a teacher. But a life not lived for Jesus Christ is a life wasted. And you will spend your life and having come to the end of it only to discover that it never meant anything and that you will die and be forgotten and have nothing left to show. Jim Elliott has a great quote. He said, That man is no fool who exchanges that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. A life not lived for Jesus Christ is simply a life that has no meaning at all. So my encouragement to you, get right with Jesus. Make your peace with God. Live a life that means something. And that would be a life that is surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what it means to be his disciple. And I believe that is the cost of salvation. So decide. Are you willing to pay it? Thanks for listening. God bless you.